You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This is a Neverland podcast, episode 94. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right straight until morning. All right, take your pixies out of your pocket, because it's time to fly away to Neverland. Do you have a happy thought? Uh, yep. Okay, good, because otherwise you can't fly without it. That's right. Okay. But this is it. This is episode 94 of the Neverland Podcast. I am, of course, your host, as usual, Jeremy the Spider-Pan. And I am Heather the Windy Nerd. And we are once again together in Neverland. Yep. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Well, Good. mainly because I had a lot of fun yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Toon Fest in Marceline, Missouri, of course, Walt Disney's boyhood home. And, of course, I was there, as I have been now six years that I've been going to this. It's really been that long. Wow, six years. Six years that I've been going to this thing. And it's fun for me every year. It's yep. very small town. Uh, you get a, a parade where the marching bands have maybe ten kids. <laughs> you know? Yep. It's, yep. It's just great fun. And you get to see it twice. Because they turn around and walk back down, yep. down the main street. Yep. Although it's actually like Kansas Street or Kansas Avenue. I forget which. But uh, yeah. it was, I guess at one point, it was Main Street. It is the Main Street in Marshall. Yeah, it is the Main Street of the town. And therefore, it's, it's still Main Street. Yeah, and it still has the signs up now that do say Main Street USA. Because, of course, it was the basis in Disneyland for Main Street USA. Although mm-hmm. not the actual look of it. That's based off Fort Collins because of uh, the artist that Walt went to. And I always forget the guy's name. And he's got a unique name. And I, hmm. it goes right out of my head. So, but it was the inspiration on the It was the inspiration, and Walt even, you know, he went and filmed the Marshallines and said, this is kind of what I want it to feel like. I want it to feel like when I was a boy there. So, uh, but of course, don't forget to visit NeverlandPodcast.com, and uh, all this information is going to come at you again at the end from that computer voice that Heather really wants me to get rid of. Yes. She wants to do it herself. I just think anything would be better than the computer voice. I don't know. It does a good job, and I time things out very well. So All right, whatever. We haven't heard from anybody saying that they'd rather have you do it. <sighs> I know. <laughs> Your attention, please. Disney Movie News. Okay, so uh, the really there's only one thing I really want to bring up from Disney Movie News, and I want to talk to you a little about is it was announced that Disney is in pre-production of a Mary Poppins sequel. Hmm, a sequel. Everybody freaked out on this. Okay. Yes. Everybody's like, oh, no, you can't do it. Oh, no, no. You know, oh, my childhood ruined. You know, that typical kind of thing. Well, if it's a sequel, it's not like they're redoing the original, right? right? It's not a remake. If it was a remake, I would be seriously bothered. Yeah, you you can't, you can't remake, remake it. Mary Poppins and make it the same. You can't capture that magic like yeah. you did before. But it's a book series. So You, yeah. you have more material. So there's literary support for actually another. another yes. Book. You have more stories that can be told. Now, granted, you don't have exactly the same creative team. Uh, Richard Sherman has said it was a good idea, apparently, and given an endorsement, but he has not been talked to about writing new songs. And, of course, you do have questions of who do you cast now as Mary Poppins. There's been so many people, rumors, and saying, oh, well, this is it, and this is this person, but really nothing has happened in casting yet. 
<laughs> yeah. But people have been saying, oh, it's going to be Emily Blunt. And then some people have put up polls. Would you rather have Anne Hathaway or... Um, uh, I forgot her name. She was on it in Frozen. I, oh. Of course, I forget names off of that one because I'm no, trying to I drive don't it out of my either. head. I mean, it's the one that's not Idina Menzel. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm so terrible. I can't believe I forgot her name. But yeah, there was there was. I saw people who were polling between her and Anne Hathaway. Which Anne Hathaway? I'm sorry, no, please no. <laughs> I, the only reason why I think they may think of her is because she did work with Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews. No, but I, but I guess I, she she was in that one. I didn't see the Les Miserables musical, and I guess she can sing. But oh, that's good. Yeah, so that's nice. Uh, so can the other girl. But uh, okay, Julie Andrews was an unknown. Yeah, yeah. Walt. Who's had an eye and an, and an ear for this sort of talent? I mean, he had even picked out Annette Funicello, and she became a huge thing. Walt knew the right type of people, and he saw her on a Broadway musical and says, Can, "I want to talk to this lady about being Mary Poppins." That's how mm-hmm. we got Julie Andrews. I don't. I think an unknown would be, would be best to be cast. I don't want to see any known celebrities. Mm-hmm. I think cast an unknown and find somebody who has Walt's ability to find those great talents. Yeah, when you when you told me about the uh, the sequel. I immediately thought, well, you know, find someone on Broadway that has, you know, the singing chops to do it. Um, I, I, and the, they have to have the right sort of charm and talent. They do. There, there's a certain Mary Poppins has a certain stuffiness, but also at the same time a certain playfulness, freedom almost. and playfulness about her. So you have to get that balance correct. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I would, and just because this is the trend in Hollywood right now, is to cast some famous person and make them fit into that role. And then you can kind of skimp a little bit on the writing because you're relying on your star to pull, you know, the pull name. It, the name yeah. to pull it. And I don't, I don't think that that should be done. Right. Um, you know, I think, I think going with unknowns is going to be the best in the situation. Um, and you know, you, like I said, pick them from Broadway so that yeah. you know that they can sing, they, they can dance, they can dance, do yes. all of that kind of stuff. And for all of you out there saying no one else can ever play Mary Poppins. Knock it off. She's on Broadway. They right now have a Mary Poppins. This woman has apparently been rocking it as Mary Poppins. They even invited her to Disneyland for the 68th anniversary to sing at the ceremony. Well, and I forget her, her name. It. Have her do it. And, you, know, you know, I would be cool with that. Yeah. And the nice thing I like about her is she looks like a real woman. She's not super, She's not a stick. Mm. You know, and she's talented. And, I, you know, with that special ABC did on, the, like, Disney musicals, you talk to her. She's she's perfect i think she would be great practically perfect in every way sure okay I, my vote would be to get her because she's done it she's been playing the character on broadway and she's got it down i'd say and she can sing i i you know i'd say great she doesn't look like julie andrews so what she can play the part and she would be good well i mean and it comes from a book so right you know the book i, I think as long as you don't go with like a total opposite of like blonde and you know like you keep, keep to the yeah. same you know like hair type side you know like and make kinda, it kinda, feel like the old do not yeah. modernize this you know let's I, not pull in let's just call it annie where they had to modernize it so much that it doesn't yeah. really rec- resemble I know, you, anything you didn't like annie I know. I, we I, didn't even see it because i saw the preview it. It was like this isn't annie yeah i was like no this is based off of a comic strip that takes place in a certain time period don't don't modernize so much that it's not recognizable anymore. So as long as Mary Poppins, well, of course, now it can be a different family, so they can mm-hmm. put it in a different year. But to keep the tone of what Travers had written these in, you really have to mm-hmm. set it. Well, of course, she didn't write it in the exact, you know, because it was 
done turn of the century from Walt's boyhood, so it wasn't mm-hmm. exactly when you know Travers had said it. But you know, if you keep that same tone and feel, I think you can I do think it. If you Don't keep, modernize. Yeah, you keep that same type of charm. Yeah, I think it will appease and it will please the people who are really you know attached to it that grew up with it. Yeah. Um, and if you and, can do, and that. <laughs> it's a and it's a classic. If you can capture that, it's a classic in, and the new you know new kids will be drawn into it too. And the other complaints I'm frequently hearing, and I kind of think sometimes this myself, it seems like Disney is having a lack of creative originality lately because they keep taking their old animated classics and making live-action movies and things like that or pulling franchises, and it seems like the idea department is all over at Pixar because Pixar is still rocking it with new things. Uh, so, doggone it, Pixar is an inside company. Talk to somebody at Pixar or get John Lasseter in on this project or something then, and make some original stuff. But that doesn't mean that a sequel to Mary Poppins is a bad idea. I don't think it's exclusive to Disney, though. There just yeah. kind of seems to be a general... Uh, lack of originality and a lot of entertainment because they're anymore. looking for franchise everything they um, want to franchise it's got to it be maybe, something that's a proven that's why so many books get turned into movies because if a book is oh hey it sells really good as a book let's make a movie off of it and we can make money well, that's they, the nature stop, of the game stop chasing the money and like make something quality and you know the money will come I mean it's, it's about the focus I guess yeah. anyway Wars, that's my yeah. two Star Wars my was completely cents. unknown at one point we'll just put it like that it was a, an original great idea and that was Star Wars, and now look what we've got from it. But uh, okay, so but the the only other question I would have, and and I'd like for everybody to email us here podcast at neverlandpodcast dot com or leave a voicemail eight one six two two six six four nine two. I don't know who you get to replace Dick Van Dyke, and I almost think it would be cool if, I mean he's he's in his nineties. But he's still getting around. I would love it if they could maybe have the story just a few years down to where maybe he, Dick Van Dyke could even still play Bert. Just as, but he's a, older. as a cameo, kind of like, you know, just... Well, Bert's got to be in there. He's he's yeah. too cool of a character. You have to bring Bert in, but mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's been later on. So Mary Poppins really hasn't changed because she's... Who knows what she is? Mm-hmm. You know, only Travers knows who what she really is or something. I, I actually go with the uh, Hogwarts class of uh, 1890 or something like that, you yeah. know, because her wand is hidden in her parasol, you know... And she, while out amongst the muggles, she pretends there is absolutely no magic. When she's about to do the thing in the street and jump into the picture, she kind of looks around, makes sure nobody, or, well, Dick Van Dyke, Bert, looks around, no one's looking. Okay, so she's making sure the muggles don't see it. See? Okay. So it could be, but still, but but if she came to Earth and she has not changed, but Bert has aged because it's a few years down the road, Dick Van Dyke could still come and play it, and that would be cool. But Mm. if you think somebody else could actually match Dick Van Dyke and has that kind of a talent physicality physicality and everything let us know what you think are you a fan of ducktales gargoyles or tailspin then boy have i got a podcast for you Hi, I'm Jason, host of DAF Radio. And I'm Matt, the co-host. Join us as we talk about these fan-favorite shows that you grew up with and meet the people that made them. Find us at DAFradio.net or in your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, enjoy the afternoon. Okay, so you didn't get to go with me this year. No, I didn't. My you my grading, 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 the life yeah. of a teacher. We don't yeah. get weekends really. But my my father and my stepmother met me there, although it was after the parade. Uh, so they That's missed okay. the parade. They 
But okay, so I got there as typical, uh, and if you want to see the video of the parade, I've posted it on the Neverland Podcast YouTube channel. I'm also I'm going to publish at the same time that I publish this podcast, be putting it up at the news.neverlandpodcast.com. I'm going to have some pictures, lots of video of the parade, um, but how can I describe the parade to you? Well... It's small town, and as I said earlier, mm-hmm. it's the marching bands have like 10, 15 students. Because these are small towns. Because it's a small know. town. This is what inspired Walt, is the small town. This is where he grew up. This is where his heart was. So if anyone's like, wow, this is less than spectacular, it's supposed to be. It's a small town. This is it's how they about, present it. It's all about simplicity. And, it's simplicity. Yeah. So you have about two schools that were there. Uh, Brookfield and of course the Marceline High School mm-hmm. and uh, Brookfield actually did stop and do a turn. It's, it's they're probably the two biggest towns that are up there. Probably, the, yeah, they're really the closest area. area. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny, Brookfield. I swear they only had one trumpet player, and well, so they may have. <laughs> he was playing the main melody, and it was so weak that I, I had to smile and kind of laugh to myself. But like, Aww, that's part of the charm. He was giving it. it his all, though. I'm sure he's like he's all alone. He doesn't have a, a harmony to support with other trumpet players. You know. That's some pressure though that is you're basically pressure. doing it solo pretty much so, you know yeah so we had like the two marching bands and as usual they had the lady who likes to play the bagpipes oh she's awesome and she plays disney tunes on the bagpipes that is, she's so awesome so, so awesome playing the mickey mouse song and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, and of course uh, I, I don't remember the lady's name but she's there every time and the guy who always calls the parade is like and here's da 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 and her goat Yes! Got her goat pulling a cart behind it with a little kid in it, as usual. Yes. Uh, so always there with a goat. Uh, of course, there's a group that has you know horses, and they have their nice show horses mm-hmm. they come out with. Um, the Shriners show up? Uh, no, the Shriners weren't there this year. Oh, okay. Uh, but they did have, of course, they have the typical boat full of little boys dressed as pirates. Pirates, yep. And the princess tea parties, you know, with all yep. the little girls. The little all, girls this has been princess. made up earlier, in which they have the makeup thing going all day. Mm-hmm. But, and, of course, they have, like... Miss Marceline, Miss Teen Marceline, and all that all type the, of thing. Yep. And and pageants you don't really hear much about, like Miss Outdoors Missouri and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so I love these... Miss Outdoors Missouri. You're pretty and you can, like, shoot a gun. I mean, come yeah. on. Oh, and you should have seen. Uh, I'm, I'm liking how this is going because these beauty queens, not all of them were super skinny. They Some of them, oh, look, you look like a real woman. Real, real like, girl next door type so, of thing. I, I, I like it. It's like, oh, look, these look like real people. Mm-hmm. These girls, although all of them were, I think that they're all team this and team that. But it's like yeah. you know, I'm, I'm glad okay. we're recognizing that people can be beautiful without being size zero. Yeah. So yeah, that was cool to see. And so of course they came by. And now here's a large chunk of this. I'd never seen this group a bit over here before. But they did you know that they have a Missouri Volvo Club? No. And so you yeah, a long line. Of, uh, I, I don't know, I don't remember how far back some of these dated. I think the first one they said was like a 1950-something Volvo. Mm, okay. And so all these old Volvos are rolling by and getting more modern as they go along. That's I think neat. it was like 10, 15 cars just rolling by all these Volvos. And they decorate it. And, of course, everybody throws candy out. And so kids are going into the street and grabbing candy. And, yeah. Uh, but it, it seemed to be a, a kind of a short parade, and uh, I don't. I think last year's was a bit more fun, but it's always it, nice. It's and different every year, and you okay. know. Now I did put this up on Periscope. Okay, I okay. was viewing, you know. So, if, but if you didn't get to follow on and live stream and watch on Periscope, I have uploaded this to YouTube. I uh, don't believe I'm po- well. No, I am posting this onto the website, uh, so you can go check it out. But on Periscope, after I shut off my handy cam, because I was using both my, the Sony handy cam on a tripod, so it's not shaky, so you can get a good steady look. Uh, but I was carrying around my phone. But uh, in the middle of my Periscope video, I you know I tried to hold the uh, the the phone up while I'm putting mm-hmm. the camera and the tripod away. 
But then I take the Periscope uh, watchers, and you can see this still on YouTube. I like Periscope; it lets you it downloads the video. You know, it's, it saves it onto your phone as you're streaming. Unlike Meerkat, that you stream it and it puts it on their website, and I can't get it downloaded to do whatever I want with it. And there's your ad for Periscope. <laughs> yes, Periscope through Twitter. Start using that app. Forget Meerkat. Meerkat takes ownership of your video. Apparently, I still get my videos from Periscope, so I will be using them from now on. So get the Periscope app, and you can follow anytime I broadcast live from anything like this from now on. Meerkat, bye-bye. Okay, so moving so, on. <laughs> so moving on. So, but I took it, we walked down Main Street, and I showed some of the sites. I showed mm-hmm. the Uptown Theater, where they premiered The Great Locomotive Trace. Yep. Yep. Uh, which was awesome. And, of course, The Spirit of Mickey was premiered there, which was like a, yep. I think it was a DVD video collection of Mickey Mouse uh, cartoons. Although they've taken the marquees down and they've put them in one of the buildings now behind a window. That might be better just to protect I, yeah, them, I think you that, know? That's what I think the idea was. They were protecting mm-hmm. the, the old marquees. Uh, so it went down there, went into the park. Marceline, they, um, remember their pond? That they yes, had there yes, in the park where the, the booths and everything. They've right? totally changed it, didn't they? Yes, it's beautiful. They have redone the pond, redug out a new pond, put some new water in there, dyed it blue. It's beautiful. And there were still, I guess, some things they wanted to do with it. Not a big fan of the dying, but that's okay. Well, but it, it looks beautiful. And I mean, it's it's not like it's a real park. Park. I mean, it's not a nature park. I know, you know but you know. It's a dug out pond. You, so you know, me and nature. I know, but it's, it's a man-made pond. I gotcha. So. I know. And, but it looks beautiful, it really does, right there. And they're wanting, to, of course, to expand the park to go across the street and eventually put the new Midget Autopia on the other side. And uh, so all that was, though, on Periscope. I took through the booths and everything. That video was available. You can check it out. I did, though, while I was there, uh, towards the end of the day, I did go to where Peter Whiteman uh, had told me about the uh, where the Midget Autopia used to be in the Walt Disney Municipal Park. Mm-hmm. So I did drive out there and visited, saw the pool, mm-hmm. took some photos. Did a walk on the track. I, I, I felt like it was something that needed to be done. So you did it. So I did it. Mm-hmm. I walked the track, and I filmed this whole thing, and it'll be on the website on our YouTube channel. Walked around there. You can. It's all on the cement. There, You can see the little bits where the track used to be. I went underneath the tunnel where the the, the pavement is unfortunately cracking and everything. And it's it was a fun kind of windy thing, so I, I can imagine that must have been a lot of fun to drive on. Well, and it's not going to be there anymore because they're... No, they're keeping that. The oh, plaque they're, is they're even still there. they're keeping the track they're and everything. Yeah, okay. They, they have kept it since 1977 well, after they I knew closed that, it. I knew that. There's had... no reason to get rid of it. Okay. It's, I mean, this is was the actual dedication place. Okay. And the plaque is wonderful. Um... I, I forgot to post up the photo I took of the plaque onto the uh, the website. I will make sure I add that before I publish later. But I will have the plaque that you can read from the dedication with the mayor and then Roy Walt Disney. And it was uh, it was you know just months before Walt passed, so it's kind of cool to have that. But it's that. the pool that's leaving, right? The pool they okay, said it might be the last year, but I, I, they, they, I don't think they'll destroy it, you know, because there's too much historical significance to that pool. Uh, but they might need to build a new pool on that same place. But I'm sure they don't want to get rid of it. Uh, but okay, had some fun adventures though. Okay, I went in, of course, to uh, the the area where they have the symposiums. Or it, this is basically like a comic convention that a town does. Yeah. So they have that panels mm-hmm. while while booths are going on selling merchandise. Uh, you know, they got antique shops and all this kind of things, and of course, food vendors and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, but I went in there and I was looking at the art gallery and. Uh, I had the thought, because, okay, Alex, I think it's May or her, or Mar, I don't know how you say it. I, you know, he always has such neat artwork that he, that he puts there, and he auctions. And they raise money That's through nice. his auction for uh, for different things. And uh, I thought, you know what, I wonder if he's got, like, a fan page of his art. And so I start looking, and I find him on Facebook. He is a Disney artist. Interesting. So, huh. 
I did kind of, you know, and I started talking to him on Facebook, you know, I sent a couple messages like, hey, and I took a photo of his artwork. He's like, are you this Alex Marr? Do you do the work for Marceline as well? Mm-hmm. And he says, depends on if you like it. And I said, it's great. I love it every time mm-hmm. I see it. So I'm going to see if I can get him to come talk to us sometime. Uh, I, I, you know, sometimes artists, they don't, you know, they're not really talkers. They just love to, to draw. So I don't mm-hmm. know if it'll happen. But, uh, I mean, his art is great. And I've posted some of his pictures through the past few years over at news.neverlandpodcast.com. So it is there. Um, but so I went and got to see, and I'm going to share this audio here later. But uh, the one panel that I definitely wanted to make sure I saw was this. Uh, he's a computer artist named Jason Opat. Okay. And he's got a business in Wichita. Uh, it's IMG, and I forgot what IMG stands for. But, okay, when you watch movies like Iron Man, or I'm going to specifically name ones that they worked on. Iron Man, Transformers, Spider-Man 3. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see these computers that are doing these neat graphical things and animations and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he does. His company oh, makes these cool. animations. And it's stuff that, well, like when you watch on Iron Man and he does like the 3D things and he's working with stuff, you know. They do all that. Yeah, stuff like that. Interesting. That's I mean, cool. it's because yeah. somebody has to animate what a computer is doing. Sure. And as he says in his panel, we are Jarvis. In the first Iron Man. And really, they are. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's such a great creative process to it. And I'll let him talk about it when I play the panel audio here at the end. But it was fascinating because I always had wondered, was like, you know, what what do they do here? Uh, and and some of the imagery you'll see, I'll be putting up a video on the, on the website later or at least at YouTube, where sometimes it's a blue screen, but sometimes they have to have the animations to be on the computer screens for the actors to interact with. It's just a lot of, you know, really neat stuff that you don't think about, but yet you kind of wonder in the back of your head, did they actually make a computer program to just display this stuff for them? But no, it's this completely animated sequence. And sometimes they take live action stuff and they put animation over it like a computer is targeting something. And, you know, somebody's got to animate that and create that that stuff. And that's what his company does. It was awesome. It was really fantastic. Okay, but here's, this was neat. So uh, after that, uh, that's when my, my stepmother and my father had, had arrived in, in Marceline, and they were looking around the booths and doing things. Uh, but I said, oh, hey, it's time for lunch. Meet me over here at Ma Vic's, mm-hmm. which is where we Ma ate Vicks last year. Ma Vic's is awesome. Yep. Uh, it's changed a, a little bit. They've taken a wall out to move the freezers. The menu's kind of been changed up. But while I'm sitting there, behind my father and stepmother, they have some photos up on the wall. And one of them, uh, and I don't know if you saw this part of the PBS special, but there is a little blonde-headed boy. Yeah, I saw that. that. And there's a photo there, but he uh, he is there fishing on the bridge when Walt and Roy come up and they fish with him, and there's some photos taken of him. And well, I got to meet him. Okay, so what, what was your name? Jim Payton. Hi. <laughs> and uh, the reason that I got to meet Walt Disney was my father was one of the ins- people that was instrumental in getting him back to Marston with hmm. the dedication of the pool. And they had all kinds of activities set up for him to attend. You know, you've probably seen one of them with the mailman and mm-hmm. riding a wagon. And, and of course, the premiere of the Disney movie, The Great Northmark Chase. The one thing they wanted him to have do is go out to a bridge where he would fish as a child and have a young fellow out there fishing. <laughs> and I was chosen to be that boy. Oh, wow. Were you nervous? No, no, no. no, no <laughs> I was thinking, I'm, I'm a 12 year old kid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you. Oh, and, my goodness. And it's, you know, it's just so, it's so easy. And, and um, 
funny thing is that after the, all of the load is over and done with, with all the hubbub, I don't know what happened to my fishing pole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, choking on my onions. And they and uh, Disney Corporation sent me pictures of this. And when he came back for the dedication of the Disney School, when they had a reception at the park for him, and I took several of those photographs down there, and he autographed them. Oh, wow. Several autographed Disney. That is That's something you keep in the scrapbook and you keep showing and, the rest of the family, right? Yeah. And, and uh, 20 years ago, I sold one of them and they got $1,000. Wow. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> so, anyway, and you know, as they say, Andy Warhol, everybody has their 15 minutes of fame. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Right, well, thank you. You've had 30 now. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, and it, it, the cool thing before, you know, I had talked to him there mm-hmm. is that uh, so I was talking about that and he was getting up. He was having lunch sitting at the table right next to us. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he gets up, he kind of leans over and touches my shoulder and says, like, you want to know something interesting? I'm that boy. Ah. And I I had a mouthful of food. Oh, I'm sure you. And my, you, my jaw dropped. I'm, food with fell a out. mouthful of food. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and I said, did you get to see yourself on the PBS special? And I then I forgot I had a mouthful of food. And I was saying all this. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I had totally embarrassed himself. But I had I took a photo of him next to the picture that was on the wall of him with Walton Roy. <laughs> so, but that was that was really cool. I'm like, an unexpected thing. That, that's, and you're even turning red now talking about it. It was so embarrassing it. to have a mouthful of food. <laughs> Oh, but uh, I, it was great to get to just talk to him and hear a little bit of his story. Uh, yeah. And so I hope you enjoyed hearing that. But, uh, okay, so Jeremy of course. Jeremy embarrassing himself. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then, of course, went to the museum, took my uh, my stepmom and dad into the museum and, uh, you know, it's always educated awesome. them. It's a very, very cool museum. It's always awesome. I didn't record anything in the museum, but I did get to talk to Inez, uh, which you remember from episode 42. Uh, she mm-hmm. took me on a tour. Yep. Uh, and her daughter is Kay Mallins, who uh, kind of heads this, this thing up and mm-hmm. also lives in the old Disney farmhouse. Uh, so, and of course, after that, I, you know, took them over to the Walt Disney School, you know, elementary school. And then we went to go see the Dreaming Tree. Now, when we went and turned that corner at the farmhouse, there's cars just lined up. And I was like, wow, is this, you know, because I've seen Kay has a bunch of like picnic things set up usually behind the house. I guess mm-hmm. there's like a party and an event. So I thought, okay, well, maybe they're getting ready for that. So I pull in on a park to go to look at the tree. And as I walk up, they're doing their, their ceremony that I'd heard about, but I had not seen. And part of the ceremony was these, uh, I forgot what they, they called the group of kids that they, they I guess they do things. And they prepare probably all year for this special sure. thing, but they or gave at least a, all fall. You know, <laughs> yeah, summer, fall. they gave this really nice presentation, kind of telling the story of the Dreaming Tree. You guys want to step a little closer because of the noise? Yeah. These kids have an amazing story. All right, are you guys ready? Okay. Yeah. In the world, there's a film this philosophy came from the biggest dreamer of all, and that is why Walt Disney has become the keeper of all the magic of our childhood. As we gather around this magical spot, we want to share with you where it all started. We're going to share the magic of our stories. <laughs> Walt moved to Mark Queen when he was only four years old. He learned how to find life. The cow, pig, and chicken were some of his favorites. And who knows? Maybe that's why he was so many Barnard characters in his Mickey Mouse and Zoom Symphony cartoons. As a child, Walt spent hours sitting under the branches 
of a giant cottonwood tree that would later be known as the dreaming tree, right on this very spot. <laughs> he would lay on his stomach and observe all the nature around him. Then he would sketch it. This bird placed such an impact on Walt that as an adult, he would come back and spend hours under the branches of this dreaming tree. That is why one of Walt's grandsons contacted us and said, I would like to come back to Marceline and do something on the Disney farm. So Grandpa ever talks about, we asked, what would you like to do? He responded, Plant a tree, of course! <laughs> so a sapling was grown from the seed of the dreaming tree. Walt's grandson, Brad, who flew in from California, three Walt Disney World ambassadors collected over came up from Florida. They bought soil from the hub of the Magic Kingdom and water from the rivers of America, and they assisted Walt's grandson in planting son of Jimmy, close to the original. You can see it going very proudly right over there. But then in 2002, the dreaming tree was struck by lightning. Oh, no! <laughs> Lucky for us, several years before that, the American Forest Historic Tree Nursery from Jacksonville, Florida, collected over a million seeds from the tree. That's a lot! <laughs> In 2005, the 15th anniversary of Disneyland, the Marceline Disney Super Guide Band Ambassadors were invited to Disneyland. They, they, um, they presented a sapling from the Peter Walsh tree to Disneyland. As a tribute to Walt Disney's hometown, Marceline, Another famous Missouri boy, Mark Twain. <laughs> the Dreaming Tree Sapling was planted on Tom Slayer's Island. A storm surpassed the remains of the Dream Tree can now exist. But the magic of this sacred spot will continue to grow. And, and that's why! No matter how you are screaming, if you keep on believing, Okay, and I have to admit you with you, the little girl who came up and sang a little bit from Cinderella, I almost teared up. Um. It was so cute. I was just like, oh, it was just so special. It was adorable. I loved it. And video of this entire thing, I, I happened to be periscoping when I went to the tree because I promised I'd be back on for that. Mm -hmm. So I went in with periscope. So there is video of this. Granted, I, you know, I had the cam the camera held vertically because it was my phone and periscope I found out later did finally release a method where you could landscape hold it and get a wider shot. But I did try to edit these videos to make it viewable. But definitely I recommend going and seeing the video yourself. It's really great to see these little kids. The sound is kind of hard to hear. There's a lot of cicadas going on. Yeah, the katydids in Missouri sure yeah. seem loud. Yes, uh, but I did also go into the barn. And in the video you can see I go uh, uh, to show where Window to the Magic, Patrick Hurd, uh, had been there years ago and had signed very large on the barn. I have written the Neverland podcast kind of nearby them because I used to go in there with my name and I could never find where I'd written my name. Yeah, we've signed it probably about two or three different yeah. times because we well, can't find. I like name to when mark it for in. every year I'm there. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I, I want to find my own name and just put the year each time. Mm-hmm. Well, it was when I, I realized, oh, look, Window of the Magic has this huge WTTM thing that Patrick mm-hmm. wrote in there. I was like, I can always see that across yeah. the barn. So I wrote Never, the Neverland Podcast and my name and your name that one year. And I've been just writing the year in, although they didn't have a marker around. So I didn't get to write, you know, 15. Well, their barn is about full. I mean, like a lot Boy, of times they the, some of the signatures fade. And um, depending on where you wrote it, and like someone else can write over it because it's it's faded. It's just so yeah. full on the inside. So many people come and visit the barn. Visit the barn, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was neat to be able to see it again, and it's all on this video. That definitely go and view it on YouTube or uh, like I said, news.neverlandpodcast.com. I'm publishing it all over there, and eventually, all these photos that I took in previous years, I'll be sharing them because I didn't want to do a lot of repeat photos. Because some of the things are the same. You know, display cases that have neat displays are the same ones that were there before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but without further ado. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Colbert. Gone on another day. I apologize. I put in there about a nine to three hours. 
So it was a great testament to my colleague at the time. But again, I was right there because of that. Michael Bay was appreciative of my bringing this product up specifically for uh, use, and I got to sit that bed. So there's my dream of getting all of it. And I was sitting in the head bed watching Michael Bay work on the film Armageddon before we're going to see that had the trailer or whatever they were singing on the plane or something. And the scene that I saw actually, and that scene didn't actually make a movie. But, you know, I was wearing a funeral coat, but I wasn't a creative guy yet on the sets. So that company ended up folding, and I'd already had all this work with Adobe, all the software guys, the travel all over the United States, working as a hardware guy to the movies, so I could actually speak the language. The engineers of our company would ask me to do a translation to the film guys. And so, any of the choices they had, we would get put into the movies. It just it was so fun. Anyway, Rick called me and said, Look, uh, I just finished the film, I wrote a lot, and my partners are uh, taking my client away for themselves, and I'm left to have two movies to do. And the movie nature was fantastic. Four, and he had a movie called Shaggy Dog and Fireworks. And he said, You think you could do it? And there was that chance. There was that jump from one place to two that was created for me. And I jumped on it. And I asked, I had no idea what I was going to do. I hadn't had that experience. I had done the work in other areas, and said, I think you can do it. Let's go. So, Shaggy Dog, of course, is a Disney movie. And so, a little connection for me because that's the movie I knew as a kid. And it worked well with Daniel Jr. in that film. And so, in that movie, I did computer screens that are by the animal, working on these things. So, Give me an idea of, um, I'm going to run through a piece here that will show you. Is that what I mean? Yes. Take still photos, animate those. 
there's, there's a lot to do in animation. And Yes, Mark, there you go. I'll come back to that in a second. Alright, I'm gonna get off that. Okay, so it gives you an idea. The difference is what you're doing movies. Okay, so what we are is we're part of the set design. So when you have a script in the movie, the scene may say, John Boy will watch the which is all we do for Transformers. And so, We know that he's going to watch our scene as much as computer time. All we know at that point in time, the set is built at. There's no, we just know there's a number of screens, and nobody has an idea of what could happen because we're so early in the film. Basically, you're like scripting the stuff out of happens. So we know we got to fill screens. We go back and start to figure out what we're going to do to animate it. If you believe this is an animal. Now, later in my career, I got to be an honorary commander. We did do the doing way out of our first base. And they flew me up to Spider Force Base, where this similar Pentagon sequence is there with the Monterey World, Spider Force Base. And flattering the evidence that they told me that my screens were cooler than theirs. But ours can't kill people, theirs can't, so they went. But the thing is, for references, we try to make people be. In the sequence by just looking at it, those are real computers with real things, real maps. And so it's a really fun, fun way to be created for us. Uh, but there's a lot of work with it. And some of these sequences, uh, you can shoot the screens that are on the bottom. But because there's certain things that aren't done, that size can be torn out. So we have to be in the beginning of the movie, we have to be in the end of the movie. Here's why I say that. Thank you. 
it that way, but that's not the way that I call Donald Love. Another sequence would be, okay, there are dragons in Air Force One during the collision, all the radar screens, all those things happening. If you took two feet, two steps behind that wall, you would just see plywood. It just is just about the size of this room. I kind of ruined the movies for everybody because you realize these things are just small animations. Uh, but you know, this is one of our favorite screens. This is one of the printouts I think I have back there. Um, this is a huge challenge because in this movie, the big key to this film and the trailer there's a sound in here. It goes, and he's like, what is this sound? Well, that's the virus that we get into the system. We have a trailer with that sound. So that's what this is doing. We're zooming in, we're tracking the sound. Stripping out things, making you believe we're doing all this audio work. And when we were working on this, it was a huge challenge because we originally built this screen at a different resolution, both this small. Because it's supposed to be a little side room. No, this Michael Bay and his grandiose thinking decided to, where you saw the Pentagon, build another entire set with, I think, 20 screens this way. And what originally was a screen design. Here had to grow now to be bigger and be more complex. So I'll give a kind of back up a little bit for a second. While these scenes are important, where we fit in is because if you watch all the movies of the old, when they reference computers, and even today there's some sets that do this, there's, I think, war games on the night too. They're just blinking lights in the back, like this, around Star Trek, with a blinking light up here, blinking light back here. So it just kind of keeps you making this device. Our screens are designed the same way. They're all blink, 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 blink. And we designed them based on animation so that when the camera sees them in the back, they blend on them. Nobody's going to be distracted and try to do anything to actually believe that this computer is thinking of doing its thing. Now, this is, a, this is a key sequence here where we had to point to the reference of the sound. And that's in the movie trailer. That was the one that we first. Again, there's just more work every time you gotta tell a story. This one we had to strip out all the, all the characters and decipher a signal of what the transformers were sending into the computer system right in. They were putting the virus in. So that was a that was a stripping sequence, and there's the three words that they told us that had to happen. Sector 7, Project Iceman, and I think Captain of Wiki was the next one. And you go back and watch the movie now, you'll kind of see all this stuff. So, there's a lot of actors left out in this as bedding. And the one that is in the movie is here. She sits down next to this guy and says, hey, what is this sound? I just heard this from the Pentagon. Can you help me figure out what it is? Here's another piece of movie magic. Um, this is the screen that I originally built myself. And I don't know if oh, that looks like an audio screen on the screen, but that looks like anybody can have that. This guy's actually super special, have his own super software, so you're gonna do it again. So my staff came back in, redid it, so that he was passing the colors the way it looks. So just when you think you're done, you have to take criticism in this business. You have to take, you have to really, really face criticism. I mean, uh, when we're talking about being at the level of something, you have to be able to be the solution. You don't get to ask questions like, oh, I'm gonna do what? On, what would you do? Well, what do you really want? My famous quote from Michael Bay is, you know, he was showing all the scenes. Uh, we would, the screens that I have back there are actually printouts of what we would do. We would make the graphic, print them out, lay them in front of him, 
grab it here, as Michael said. So use this one, change the color of this one, bring it back tomorrow and pick a pop up. That's it. Okay? And it's very, it's a very stressful environment. You know, we're talking, they have uh, shifts of three, they have an A unit, B unit, and C units have to treat different seeds. So once you may require open shoulder, they're going to shoot this seed over and over again. So we have to look back that. Meanwhile, we got shoot out in two days to go like 100 graphics for and we got to come back and change something because directly lines. So, just moving through these sequences, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to see these movies because our work is there. But it's, you want to say, invisible, we've done our job. You believe that these computers are there. Now, this is a, a pretty good one for us because when you're in these films, you get the animations, you have to use your imagination. You also have to take in mind that we design stuff on black space because the camera gets blown out on white space. So what that means is if you've got ever had a camera and you take a picture of the computer screen and it just blows out you can't see what's on. That's because it's really bright in the back of the car. All of us are used to build so that only the light shows up. So everything's not in a reverse deal with design graphics. This later scene is when Megatron is melting. Temperature's coming down, Megatron will break free. Uh, cool thing about this one is they just reused this one in the last time. Now they paid for it, they used it. So they made the plan. We did the first movie and now we're in the new movie because what they're doing is they're damaging the old design of Megatron. And so these streams are actually going to happen. Again, these are just telling the story of, oh, we're supposed to be measuring Megatron and he's going to file. And so you blink, 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 move. We are able to drop in two days to get this done from conception to animation to deliver to set. This was Bumblebee, he got laid out. These things I can make there. This was for a special sequence made in his IMAX screen. That's on Wiggy's eye. And going in the car and actually he's lying, his eyes so can tell you he's on the truth or not. So we had to make that this is an interesting one too because the footage that they gave us to use for choppers in this film was being able to show the choppers coming in and in the movie it opens where one of the transformers flies in and facts gets and has a virus to start with. But for movie buffs, it was only a
is the next thing that I'm going to play it. And if you play the copy of Spider-Man 3, and this is the thing with Spider-Man 3, Goblin Flare, where he stepped out of the cage to make himself stronger with whatever the old, I can't think what it's called, that green stuff he took. And he said, well, why don't you look like the ball? I said, no, it's just in enhancing himself. Other important things is that Harry Osborne, he's in the hospital, so he has to have a heart monitor inside him, so he built a heart monitor. But we do have a big change in the numbers here, because uh, we think we put, where it says 101 for our heart rate, we put in like 300 or 300 numbers. Mm -hmm. How many people said he'd be dead, so we decided to talk about the This is a sequence to show you. We had to come in and build new, se new sequence for this. They weren't done with the film, but we had to get our frames and graphics done. So this is one of the sequences. Because we needed to do a news graphic. No, this is simple news graphic, but it's for timing sake. You can see here they're still not done with their part. They know that they can lay our graphics back into the sequence. So everybody's racing to the end of this movie at the same time. So we do things that would major make it look like a majoring flight, you know. Um, and where I because of the industry I'm in, I've been videotaping corporate videos of the aircraft industry, I had to go stand there and look at wings and watch engineers tear apart the wing or test the strength and strain-based testing, all these different tests. So that kind of inspired me on how to put these into art pieces that we're doing here because I want to convey to you that I'm testing the integrity, the metal of this flying lever. And so through experience we just happened to sit with real engineers and look at boring numbers, the engineers get real excited about when a number doesn't change. Zero doesn't change because I've been strong. So that doesn't ever work for Hollywood. He wants numbers to change. Real isn't fun, but this is uh, visually appealing. I say real isn't fun, but the screens don't look like this. Uh, so we want to convey that we're testing just in front of a certain rate, what would that look like? Again, we're borrowing things from, you know, like you see from designs and measuring temperature. So every illustration that we did, this one's testing the integrity of the bumping pops, that they're on a giant shelf. So why not have a computer running through with your useful model make sure that it work properly? This one uh, is higher for Iron Man. The director of this movie loved it. When we submitted this to John Favreau for Iron Man, he said, you guys are awesome. You guys are going to be awesome. So we did. We went right from there, right into Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man it was a lot of fun. Um, John Favreau was a lot of fun to work with in the last day. Backing up a little bit for a little bit of story, Michael Bay would, uh, when we got done with our set, you know, I'm back on my goal all the time. Now we're going to be strong. And now all of a sudden, you know, Steven Spielberg, one of my idols of all time, you know, all the work he he was the prince of the So he walked into that thing on set, we loaded all of our screenplays on the street. And nobody in LA knew who loved him, where they made him. In this script, he made Rick Lock, who hired me, look like this hero on a set. Like, dude, you just did an amazing thing. Nobody knows how you did You know, that's, that's not fun for us. Well, Rick finally told uh, Stephen Spielberg that his crew was the dancers that we had done this. And he said, get him on the phone. And I want everybody on set to get on the phone, let him here. He made everybody on set. Cheer for us, clap for us, for all of our work that night, which was awesome because it might have made kind of butter, but he's kind of jerk. He's awesome. <laughs> uh, so he gets taken to the 
that part of the war. But to have Michael Baker, to have Steven Spielberg, even on Sons, I didn't even upset to have Steven Spielberg say that to me directly in my staff, that was cool. You know, that that was like, this is all. This is just the truth. Real makes me love what I want. Negative side, that night they moved our service. Next day, set is loaded with all the actors, the guys in the military, everybody sitting at their workstations to look like the main actors there. They go to Lowe's Speed and start their errors. All those little videos of choppers and things were all referenced in front of a server that somebody moved on set. And it was just destroying the set. Michael Bay, the next morning, was cussing, foaming in the mouth on that song. We went from heroes to sheer terror and the end. It always seems to go back to that scene from Apollo 13 when you walk in the room and you say, you got duct tape, 16 hours of air left, and this tube or something else will solve the problem. And we really had to literally decipher what was happening on the other end for people on the ground to fix the problem that I sent half my staff on because it just melted. So it was a very stressful time. When I look at these streets, I see hours of stress. I see, you know, of course, I'm so proud of this. You go to a rental store, it's playing, or you turn on the TV and the beer runs wrong. There's our work. It's out there forever. So that's exciting to know. Now, these sequences here are Iron Man. Again, this is at the beginning of the movie. So when we start this film, all of this was a stand of Stan Winston's actual statue of Iron Man. And then a 3D scan of Robert Downey Jr. and stuff. So that's actually Robert Downey Jr. that got scanned right there. Turned into a 3D model, and they just sent us these files to let us talk about. They sent us some illustrations. And it's about us to create a design out of the elements that we actually don't have much of to work with, so that when set goes live, the paint was drying when we load our space and start, start shooting the first sequence where they didn't know what comes to. So you can see here all of the buttons, all these things, and we have to be the personality of Jarvis. He's a good person. And so, but one of the problems here is my duty artist put the drawings in the back of the booth. That's all they had in the booth. He created a 3D image. And if you guys that explosion and tear apart, they didn't use that later in the movie where he's working on the booth. And they actually used our image to help them move into the movie faster. Uh, another idea where they call sequences uh, things we have to do quickly. You see, there's a sequence where Robert Downey Jr. is working on his car, his old car, and he asked Jarvis to pull up the schematic of whatever 19 year this engine is. And so our staff had to go find the engine, make a 3D model of it, and this piece, and we draw it into the other graphic sequence. So none of the stuff like this, you have to be on, you have to make everything yourself, you have to know how to do it. So, you know, back up being an artist, or a 3D artist, you have to be able to draw, okay, you have to support water elements. You have to come back and build. Uh, we don't do a lot of audio, but we are part of this. But we're, we're still filming because we need to do music and audio. Um, we have to be creative. There's not a lot of time. In our world, rendering is taken down. You can't get anything done. So we try to get things done fast in our time frame. Just back up, give you an idea that this screen, based on our speed and our expertise, by the time we were hired for this movie, this screen probably would have taken us two weeks to do. But we were so good, my staff would actually help get going. One, one of my artists, myself, conceptualized the original graphic. And then 
you had a huge workflow in the kitchen. Now, it took a lot of imagination, just a lot of experience. But we created a production line that guys would do the creation. Some guys would do the repetition, just creating buttons and numbers. And then another group of people would build that into what's called a record. Send that file back up, upload it to set it down. Now, the beauty of that is, it didn't matter what your power was. It didn't matter where you were because if we weren't California, we'd still be in an office in a cubicle uploading the file set. So it didn't matter. What mattered is our talent, our strength, and ability to just get this done. And so actually we were two hours ahead of California. So it was always nice because we could be done, make some updates to the file, re-upload the set, take the kid and get it ready. And so disconnecting from not being in LA wasn't a problem with us. Have internet anywhere, high speed internet doesn't get set. However, we didn't run into issues once more. Um, I was working on the movie Fireball. We had an ice storm. I lost power all over the stop. And I was running on the TV. Uh, gas in the generator at home, you know, but I had power at my office in town. And he, so I was lucky had internet. But the internet was dropping out all over town too. It's just ice. Taking lines down is awful. Here's my first big movie again. Here's my chance. I just finished Shaggy Bucket on the Firewall. And I, there's no way I can describe to a director if we have an action on something out There's <laughs> no way. And so that was very stressful. So uh, I guess there's sometimes geography can affect you, but for the most part, it shouldn't. These are just all these kind of sequences that our work we have to create to do this. So what's important about this is the staff that I brought in had the skills and photoshops in the areas. That was able to train them to get what we need. And then just sheer need for the film to tell a story makes it easier to get things done. Another piece that we played on, we did other movies, was Get Smart is another one. Love that film. Again, that's a Disney movie, so that's not the site for us to do. So we make it Disney lower. And this one's fun because these screens we got to load onto the set, but we got to put our own faces in there as spies. So they're going to be So when you pause the movie, you stop getting smart, you'll be able to see me right there in front of the rock if you're walking by it. So it's kind of our own people shout out to ourselves uh, in that movie. And it brings you to the actually work on it. Because I tell you what, we can still believe that I could do shit with my Where did you do the movie again? Did you work DVD copies or what? I mean, you wouldn't believe the things that people don't believe. Just because you're not in LA, they can't believe you do this. So, again, I've been proud of the public industry in Wichita, uh, in Kansas, doing this. And Kansas City, of course, is a huge fashion as well for the animation. They do a ton of work now. Um, again, there's, there's different ways to track kinds of streets. They can't always look the same, but this set, whenever you build something, kind of have to go together. Um, or in street, what's the spy business going to control? You've got to do emails, you've got to search for word, you've got to find error, you've got to find keywords, and it goes. These are kind of fun screens. This one was where she walks up with gloves on it, with a thumb, thumb print, she gets in, she's smarter than him. Halfway this one. This one I did because the staff was busy. This one was actually a suitcase that had a bomb in it that the rock was carrying on the train and they 
I want to introduce you what animation is, what your kids can be doing. And the importance is, you know, like I said, I came from a town too small than this, of 800 people in the middle of Kansas, and I made it to Hollywood, and I still didn't have to come to Los Angeles. So it doesn't matter where you are, it doesn't matter what the town is. And one of the things I believe in is being able to get talent, get the tools for the kids to get that spark. And being able to draw, being able to follow some things that they can do now, so that when they start to sketch and come up with ideas and start to paint, they get online and download programs and start doing things. I get teachers all over the place and say, oh my gosh, I wish my student could come to the Well, you can, obviously, work in Kansas. The best nice about that is we can show by example what's going on. And they get to college now, like, hey, you guys are going to school, what is most of kids? You know, a lot of kids that haven't had the information trip in college. You know, when you're a kid, you get to play soccer from second grade on. By the time you get to college, you know how to speak soccer, you know how to play soccer. Well, if you're this event and haven't touched this, but some schools have, are we missing talent? So I'm kind of like, I believe you can get the talent if you get access to things, you get an understanding, you get into the younger age. So that's one of the things I'll be doing here over the next year, most of you. So the other kinds of other kinds of animations that come out of this you have to realize isn't just it's going to be every day. So whatever job that there was going on is anything that's going into your phone is creating an graphic animation. It needs an illustration. Somebody has to be creative mind. In this day and age, everybody's going to be doing content creation. Those who are making content are going to be the ones that are going to be employed. I mean, it's just it's just industries you Video game design, movies, all of it is going to be insane. You know what I'm saying? So, every aspect of multimedia graphics. Yes, films are cool. Transformers, again, that's kind of like the high end. And to get there, it's a long path. But there's things right now you can do, you know, that you have a need for, even in your own company. So, like, I need to do this, I need a logo, I need animation. How do I do it? Well, the point is, I'm going to get kids there to do that. So, anyway, I think I'm going to some time on it. I appreciate it being a poor talk. You guys like Okay, well, so there what there you have it. So that's what all goes into a local company doing graphics for movies. And shows basically how one, you know, just a small Small town guy, because he was talking about how he came from a small town just like Walt Disney, built a business and wanted to work in Hollywood, and there it is. That's amazing that Hollywood can be here in the Midwest. I mean, a lot of times you got to go east or west to get there, but... So follow your passion, follow your talents, and you can accomplish whatever you want to do. That was a Walt Disney philosophy. All right, well, and that's going to wrap things up for us, though, for this week. 
So uh, make sure next week you come back because I still have a lot of, you know, I got stuff from the Kansas City Comic Con to share. I have Disney audio to share from, from Tim Nidell, and I think Eric is going to send me even more audio because he's in Disneyland having a family reunion. I, that would be a neat place for a family reunion. No kidding. So he was wanting to come to Toon Fest, but the, I, so I asked him, hey, are you coming? He says, no, got this family reunion in Disneyland. I'm like, oh. Darn. <laughs> you know? hmm. I was like, you know what, Erica? I hope decisions, you're having a great time right now in Disneyland. And I look forward to talking to you again and hearing what kind of fun adventures you've had. Remember, keep your pixie in your pocket. You remember what I mean by that? Uh, you are positive and keep a positive attitude as you go throughout. And you're spread, spread so your pixie close. dust. Come on. You're so close. It is that young at heart, good attitude that you've got to have. And then you can share it with others by simply a handshake and a smile and then simple things like that. Okay. So, gotcha. Yep. She's going to get this memorized. But all right. But God bless. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on Twitter.com slash NeverlandPcast and Facebook.com slash NeverlandPodcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816 Six four nine two, and send email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright blue band productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.